everybody. Welcome back to Stories with Bree. I'm super excited about my special guest today. Her name is Kia, and she is known on Instagram as Reader Bay. Yes, honey. <laughs> so excited. She's a social worker. She's a bookstagrammer, a cat mom, according to your, your Instagram bio and all of the things. Anything else you want to share with people before we get to that? Um, yeah, I'm a social worker. I'm very passionate about my job and my career and helping people um, be their best selves. So that's definitely a big part of who I am as well. Yes, and as we were talking before, I think in DMs about you potentially thinking about becoming a librarian, those are our qualities. That we- <laughs> Look, I'm all about recruiting more of us into this field because we need it. And so if at any point, like I told you before, you need any questions, you got any questions, you want to talk about it, I'm here because I am an advocate for more Black faces being in the field so that people can see folk that look like them. The for sure. People that use the library every day need to see people that look like them serving them so that they'll right. know that this is a place where you can find safety and information. <laughs> so I'm sure. super excited. And you're already helping as a social worker. You're already. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I mean, you're doing a good job. At least I assume that you are. I believe that you are. You're doing an amazing job at what you do. So let's, I'd like to get started with some icebreakers. If you can remember, what's your favorite childhood book? Um. So when I first started reading, I was probably in middle school. Um, and the books that stand out the most to me are the Blueford High series. I don't know if you've heard of those, but it was a, it's a series about basically kids at this high school, um, and every book was different. So there was books about like girls and, um, like I remember there was one book about this girl that was in a relationship that turned abusive. There was one um, about this girl, I think she was like in an abusive household. There was one about a a young man that ended up in a gang. Like it was, it was a lot of different scenarios, but it was, I was like consumed with it because I, I feel like it was the first time that I ever read a book where I saw myself in the book. You know what I mean? Like uh, most of the main characters were um, people of color. So it was just like, and for me, reading is, is like the greatest escape. So at that time, like that is what really got me into reading. The fact that I could like open these books and not only see myself in the books, but also like escape my world and like feel like I'm in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely say the Blueford High series was like a game changer for me in regards to reading. Okay. Actually, that does, not that you've re- repeated what it was called. That sounds familiar, but I don't, I've never read any of them. Um, but yeah, it sounds like something I need to go back and check out so I can yeah. give recommendations for yeah. others. Because sure. I agree, just based off some of the scenarios you just said, they definitely would resonate with even my own personal life. And I felt like that that would have been important for me during that time growing up to see that. To see that, right. Right. People who look like me, especially going through right, right. the time. So yeah, I agree that that sounds like it was definitely an escape and um definitely something that helped you to really kind of cope, I guess, and during those times for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was those books were really good and I always recommend them, especially to kids. Um, because I, I think that is I think representation represented presentation is important um, because you want to you want to for me the most important one of the most important things about reading is the material being relatable yeah and the same with music you know music touches you when you feel like you can relate to it like when you when you see yourself in the lyrics and like what you're going through is reflected in the music. It's the same with reading. Like when I read a book, it touches me the most when I can see myself in the pages. So I always recommend those books to um, my clients who are younger um, because I I think that's important that they they can see themselves in, in what they're reading. I agree. I definitely agree, especially in regards to music because music has been um, many different types of music and many types of artists have been in so many forms 
a uh, an anthem for my life and right. they have helped right. me through a lot of different things and as I prepare to write like my second book I'm noticing that a lot of my um the title of each one of those essays that I plan to write are kind of centered around music so uh, right. I'll, I'll get to use that a lot incorporate my love for music and how it healed or how it and how it helped into that how it helped right yeah with you on all fronts in that regard so do you have a library card if so how absolutely Absolutely. I have a library card I got a library card initially because I was studying for my um my exam for my um it's called licensed master social worker exam. Okay. Um, so my LMSW exam. And I needed like a, a quiet place to study and focus. So I got a library card so that I could um, not only utilize the library space, but their obviously their materials, their books, their computers, printers, and things like that. Um, so it just happened that once I started falling in love with reading again, and I realized, wait a minute, like, I don't know why I thought that like the library just had like super old books, like the, like the sources and dictionaries and like old history books. I never realized that the library has like new and current material, classics, like it, that just never occurred to me until I really started browsing the shelves. And I'm like, wait a minute, I could borrow these books instead of going to Barnes and Noble every weekend. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until about two years ago that I really started utilizing my library card to borrow books. Yeah. And that was also a game changer for me because I'm like, wow, I'm saving a lot of money. Like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the library is an amazing resource. And a lot of times people do have these misconceptions of what the library yeah. is, what it looks like. And like you yeah. said, that's one of the things is like they think when you go into the library, oh, all you're going to get is old stuff. All you're going right. to get is things that's right. dated. They're not going to have anything that's up to date. When in reality, libraries are typically some of the first places where those new releases go first because yeah, exactly. they know that there's going to be a demand on it. And so they have to make sure that they hurry up and put their have it. In. right. And sometimes right. they put their orders, they get an opportunity to put their stuff in ahead of time so that they can have a, a reservoir available for those people who can't afford to go to Barnes and Noble or any of the bookstores. Right. Yeah. So, and right, right. And you said something that was great is that the library saved you money <laughs> because that oh is my gosh. you have no so idea. I said hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. you using library, period. Yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> I, I can believe it. A, a couple libraries, not all of them, but some libraries actually put the amount of money that you saved at the bottom of your checkout. Oh, really? Yes, they, um, not all of them, but some libraries yeah. do that where they say, you save X amount of dollars yeah. for pulling out these titles at the library. And that's why I think it's so essential because if we want a place where people can read um, and get access to literature, the library is that place. And I always right. say to people, you're paying your tax dollars, you need to use this space because you're literally helping to keep the doors open. And so yeah. um, I'm glad that you are utilizing <laughs> your library card and you're using it well and that it's helping you to Definitely kind of like, <laughs> right, keep it together and not spend so much money on books that you may not may or may not be reading. Hello, guilty. Right. <laughs> guilty too. <laughs> I surrounded myself with, with books and ain't even reading them. I just like them because they're comfortable and I like yeah. them. Around. like you like looking at them like look at my look at my big book stack that I haven't touched in like almost a year yes exactly <laughs> exactly you feel it you know the vibe <laughs> exactly. yeah, for sure for sure yes yeah. so for you digital or pen and paper um hmm for for writing yes for writing which one do you prefer more I think I like, I would prefer pen and paper mm -hmm. um, because for some reason it feels more intimate to me. Like if I'm, like I've tried to get into the habit of journaling, mm -hmm. um, not every day because that's not realistic for me. I had to realize I have to make realistic goals for myself, but okay. I try to do it when I feel that I need to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's something about, 
pressing a pen to the paper mm-hmm. that's that is different than typing your feelings I agree. You know, I'm more digital, but I definitely agree with the whole journaling thing. Um, I just got into journaling within the last maybe four years. And I do agree that when I sit down and actually write out my thoughts, it's very cathartic. And I appreciate having that ability to do that. And it it just acts as a form of release. But I do lean more towards um, definitely digital, especially when it comes to planning. Honey, I listen. I didn't bought planners. I just spent money on planners, and I get about four months in. It's over. It's over. Yeah, not happening. So I was like, let me go ahead and act, quit acting like I I can do this. Right, right. I can't. <laughs> so, um, for you, uh, either either right now or overall, who's your favorite author or writer? It's so hard to pick one because mm-hmm. I have so many that I love. But when I was younger, like, and when I say younger, I mean, like, in high school, I loved Carl Weber. I don't know if you know him, but he, oh, my God, every book I read by him, I was blown away. Like, I just loved his writing style. Um, And I felt that every book that I read by him was so entertaining. Like, I loved him. I haven't read any of his books recently, but I loved him. He's somebody that really sticks out to me when I think about like my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Lisa Jewell. I love Lucy Foley. Um, I love um, Okweke Amezi. I think that's how you pronounce their name. I don't know. I, don't quote me. So I, <laughs> I believe it's Okweke Amezi. Um, I love their writing. Um, they have like a very poetic way of writing that is just, it does it for me every time, every single time. Yes, Lucy Folly has easily became a newbie for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, she popped up in my in my world at the towards the end of last year. I think okay. the first book that I read by her was The Guest List. Yes, and from The Guest List, I moved to um, The Haunting Party, Okay. Next book. And so if after the guest list, everything that I could find by Lucy <laughs> Polly, I've been reading. I just recently yeah. bought the Paris apartment. I have not cracked it open yet, but I, I'm listening. I, I could not wait for the library to get it, to get me off the waiting list. So I was like, I'm in Target. I'm finna buy this book and okay. I'm gonna read it. And I just assume that it's just gonna be just as good as all the rest. And she just hit recently number one I believe on the New York Times bestseller yes I I believe she's number one right now I don't know if she's still number one but she was when she posted on her thing so I'm super excited for her congratulations to Lucy yeah congratulations Lucy I stand I love her she deserved it she deserved it and for me in high school Eric Jerome Dickey had a hole on me, you know, okay. he had a chokehold on my life. <laughs> he still does. He's always going to be at the top of my list when it comes to, yeah. to fiction writing. He yeah. has a writing style, as you were saying, he has a writing style that in many ways, although they lumped him into urban fiction, his writing style was very highbrow to me because okay. the, the amount of words and things that I, I call them ten dollar words the amount of words that I learned just by reading his yes. is yes. ridiculous yes. the amount of other information that I also learned was wonderful as well <laughs> but, <laughs> but definitely the wordplay I always when reading his books I was like okay dictionary what the what right the, what does <laughs> define this word what does this mean like what is he talking about and then he and he also introduced me to different languages that I had never really necessarily read inside of any other books that I've read before and I was like this is urban fiction please please where are you getting this from you're not getting this from nowhere else like you, you can only get this from him and so yeah I, I definitely agree uh, in that regard. So you said that you fell in love with reading and when you were in like middle school, right? And so yeah. let's switch over gears a little bit because at the beginning I said that you're a bookstagrammer, which is something that I think a lot of people don't really know actually exists. And to be honest, like yeah. I wasn't fully aware of the world 
that how large and how grand and it was a whole tribe and a whole vibe over there until the beginning of this year like I was aware that people you know posted things about the, what they were reading all that but when I actually came over I was like wait it's a whole thing <laughs> over world. yeah a whole world inside of the social media platform and I felt like I feel like it's a safe space and it's a place oh yes. are like just sharing and they're and so far from me everybody has been so kind and so nice yeah. you feel the same way um about absolutely it? absolutely like you said my bookstagram has become my safe space Mm-hmm. So the the space where I feel like I can be my most transparent self, you know, I, because on my regular on my regular Instagram, you know, I feel like social media in general is like a show, you know. Absolutely. We want to see you at your greatest. We want to see your greatest out of all the eight hundred pictures that you took. We want to see the greatest picture posted with the greatest caption. We want. We don't want to see a hair out of place. Mm-hmm. Your lips can't be dry. Your knuckles can't be dry. You've got to be on point. That's a, at least that's how I feel. And I break all those rules. So, <laughs> so, so this is the first space where I, where I have felt like none of that matters you know what I mean like we're just here literally to vibe and to nerd out on books and to talk about our favorites and to talk about what we what our what we didn't like and to talk about just everything that we love mm-hmm. and that and that's what it and I kind of describe it as like this is like my lightning in a bottle um like platform right so this this is a space where I can literally just be my authentic self and share and create and and love and and everything that I put out is okay like I don't have to second guess anything and I'm also learning so much from different people about books and literature and authors and writers and it's just like it's been one of the biggest joys in my life recently Um, I I agree I just I described Boostagram to one of my friends as this is probably I think I said it to her maybe a week or so ago I said this is the happiest that I feel like I've ever in my entire life have ever been And the fact that I can take this part of me, this this piece of me that I feel like I have loved and enjoyed. I don't remember a time in my life that I've never not been surrounded around books or reading or any of that. And to take that part of me, that very, like you said, intimate part of myself Mm -hmm. and that part of myself and share with the world and for it to be received so well by others, it came to me in a a time when I really, really needed it. Mm -hmm. Like I really needed a space where I could kind of like incorporate this part of myself, the, the nerdy part of myself, as right. they say, um, where we're talking about literature, where we're talking about writing, because I feel like, although I have been um, a part of several book clubs for a little while now, I still didn't feel like I was getting as much as I needed, and I needed mm-hmm. to, I, I have to create a space yeah. for myself and for others, for them yeah. to come in. I've always yeah. been that person, and so this year, when I restarted that page, because I had the page before, and I thank God that nobody took my name. <laughs> but when I restarted that page, and I, yeah, yeah, and I redid it, and I was just like, wait, like it's growing and it's growing, yeah. and people are following me. I'm like, hold up, wait. Yeah. And oh. you know, I did the same thing. I had started one before, like a few years ago. And I didn't really, you know, I guess I was comparing myself to other bookstagrammers who have like 15,000 followers and are getting all these free books in the mail and all this stuff. And so I was too focused on that Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just focusing on sharing what I love. Mm -hmm. So I, and not caring about, you know, the feedback. Um, so I started, so I deleted that one and, but my love for reading and for books and, um, for people who also love what I love is so big that like, I couldn't contain it. Like I needed an outlet. I needed to share this. Like every time I read a book that was like five stars, I'm like, I can't keep this to myself. 
I need to share this. Yeah. So I started another one and I'm like, you know what, this time around, and I sat on it for a few months. I started it back in August. Okay. And I sat on it for a few months. I would upload like every couple of weeks, but I wasn't invested. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until probably January or February where I really started posting and engaging and, and just, and just being in the community, um, that, like you said, it started my, um, page started growing. I started getting comments and likes and people reaching out to me. And it was like, once I just focused on my love for books, you know what I mean? And sharing that love. Yeah. That's when my page started growing. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it's just such a special, a special space for me. It's such a special, like I, every day I wake up looking forward to engaging with my followers and sharing what I've been reading and what I've read and, and things like that. Yes. And I agree with you. And it's, it was definitely that for me. I think for me, I started the bookstagram because that page actually didn't even start as a bookstagram. It did start as a creative outlet for me where I could just post pictures and post things that I'm right. writing or working on in whatever capacity without judgment. That's kind of how the page started. But then right. it got to the point where I felt like I was getting a little stagnant in that. And I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't want it to be dark like this because it was black. That page was like black and white. I mean, night and day compared to what it is now, <laughs> what it, now, what it was yeah. before when I started it last year. And then I took like maybe two, three months off. And then I restarted the page. Like I said, I was grateful that nobody took my name. And I was just like, okay, so this is what I wanted to look like. I reached out to a friend. She made a logo for me. I said, I kind of yeah. want to do more neutral tones and things like that. Cause I love yeah. those types of things. And yeah. I don't want it to be dark. I want it to right. be kind of light and airy. Yeah. I want it to, you know, be a space where I feel connected and I, I like it. And so that's exactly what that is for me it's a place where I like it and then I I release myself from the limits of because I can feel myself kind of like oh you have to post you have to post you have to post. I was like I don't though I don't have to post every day as long as I post something that I enjoy when I feel like it right. engaging right. these people who are following me they won't want to be here and I feel like right. my creativity though has kind of like been sparked again right. I consider myself a creative person I've always been a creative person it's just like when you get bogged down by other people's opinions of you and how you how they feel something should go and yes. you're constantly putting in information input 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 yes. because you just want somebody else to to feel just as passionate about something that you feel passionate you about do, yes. and then you have to realize like it's not about them it it's really about is them, about right? you and yeah. people are going to be uniquely connected to you yeah. and yeah. when I've realized that when you guys start showing up I was like yo like, oh like people actually like what I say how I say it I can be my full self yeah I, I can just be out here like and, and be extreme and I'm like other people understand why I get so emotionally connected and involved to these characters and they feel just as passionate about it as I do and it's like they get lost in these books because I've always just kind of like gotten lost and consumed into a world like when I'm reading I'm Absolutely. reading I'm focused like probably might have to say my name once or twice before <laughs> I up and be like oh I lose time reading yeah, so yeah. the same way yeah oh absolutely like I said reading is my greatest escape I have never in my 27 years, I'm, I, look, I'm young, so there's a there's possibility for more. But I'm saying, in all the years that I've been alive, I have never been able to um, escape in anything else the way I have been able to escape in reading. Yes, and that's what got me really hooked on it. Because once I realized, oh, I don't have to be kia in 2022 i can be harriet in 1968 you know what i mean like you know what i'm saying like once i re once i felt that that's why um historical fiction is one of my it's probably my favorite my favorite genre because i literally feel like i'm being taken out of the present and thrown back into whatever year it is with whatever environment is going on, whether it's like a war, protest, prohibition, slavery, like 
I feel like I'm taken out of the present world and I'm put into whatever it is I'm reading. And that's like, I, like I'm addicted to that feeling. Okay. And, but when, because you like a lot of historic fiction, do you feel like, how does that make you feel afterwards? Do you have to kind of like shake it off once you're done with the book? Like, how do you kind of push yourself back into the present? Cause yeah. historic fiction books can be heavy. Like right. they can be heavy. Yeah. So how do you manage to kind of like separate yourself once you either have finished or in the, in the middle and separate that from your present reality to realize like, oh, this is, this is the story. This right. is not, even though it's similar to some stuff we're still dealing with right uh, now. Yeah, it's it not is. That. So <laughs> how do you do that? How do you kind of like, um, so what I what I always tell I say this all the time to people when I read I don't want to read like a hunky dory rom com you know a fairy tale ending I'm not into I'm not into that that's why I really don't read romance because okay. I I just don't like it's just it's just not for me like I don't want to read I don't want to read that I want to read something that's gonna rip my heart out like I want to read something that by the end I'm gonna feel devastated that's that's the work that really moves me and really like excites me like I want to feel like my heart has been ripped out of my chest oh no Um, (laughs) so but like you said like some some of these books can get really heavy and obviously like I'm not the type that can read back to back to back to back heavy books Mm -hmm. so I always try to mix it up I realized through bookstagram actually that I'm actually a mood reader I don't stick to a tbr pile I don't stick to like I do have like hopefuls what I hope to read in the month but I don't stick to like a um a solid list I just go based off of how I feel so usually if I read like a heavy book I might throw a thriller in between or like a memoir or you know something a little lighter um to kind of like balance it out Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah so speaking of memoirs I'm glad that actually transitions us into I just finished reading and I know that you read it too somebody's daughter by Ashley C. Ford that's that's Oof. <laughs> let's get into this let's get into this somebody's daughter listen miss ashley i said miss ashley owe me some money some time <laughs> some something because like this how dare you put my put parts of my life my on- life my, who told who gave you permission to talk about me in your book who who told you man like who told you and I was like this is ridiculous and I think I said it in the real so many of us should not have this story this yes. should not be so many black women's story of yes. pain abandonment trauma this should not be our stories and like it was so I had to take so many breaks when reading that book because yeah. I was like triggered Ashley, I need to sit you down for a little bit or so because ma'am, 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 no. <laughs> no. This is what we're not going to do, Ashley. This is what we're not going to do. You're not going to talk about how having a disassociated out-of-body experience Ooh. when it comes to you being sexually abused. And I'm like, I remember that. So when she talked about it, when she just, and I was like, first off, ma'am, how did you manage to describe this? Because I know when I was writing my book and I was reliving that trauma and having to, it was hard. It was rough. And so when she was talking about that, I was like, Ooh, I was like, Brit. And then, you know, my name, my real name is Brittany, but I go by Brie. And I was like, in my Arthur's name. And I was like, Ooh, this is not, this is, you know, you have to kind of see yeah. yourself. You was like, it's over. Yeah. It's not happening. You're, yeah. you're, you know, this is your reality. That is over and done. How did you feel about the book? Like what parts like really resonated with you? I know for me, that was one thing that was like a major point for me, but how about yourself? I think the part that resonated with me the most mm-hmm. was the way that she, um, the way that she wrote about her relationship with her mother. Oh yeah. Oh girl. Okay. Let's get into that. Because oh, oh she, she 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 did that so well. Mm-hmm. And I think the so the 
the part that resonated that that really stuck with me and i posted this on my bookstagram um she said um she was talking about something she was engaging with her mother she was talking to her mother and her mother had um i guess her teacher remember her teacher had accused her of her called her mom and was like ashley did so and so at school and then when she got home her mom was really upset with her but it turned out to be a whole misunderstanding and ashley had not done anything wrong yeah so she had said um she knew what i wanted and she wanted me to know it would not be mine we were locked in a power struggle not that i would have known to call it that because she was so young but she could identify that that's what it was yeah not that i would have known to call it that um and i was confused because i didn't want power from my mother i wanted her to acknowledge my the pain in my body and my heart. I wanted it to mean something to her because she loved me and I knew it. And I couldn't understand why she couldn't just say sorry. What was so wrong with me that I didn't deserve that? Oh, girl. I, I get goosebumps reading that because that resonates with me so much. Why is it so difficult yeah. for parents? Yeah especially black parents yeah. to apologize to say i was wrong yeah. i am so sorry yeah yeah i don't yeah i think it's once again it's also a trauma response for them because yeah. they don't want to i think for all of us and i'm not even just going to say uh, it is black pay i feel like it is a cultural thing but for all of us in many ways it's an idea that we don't want to acknowledge the fact that we could have possibly, even as a good person, caused somebody to feel pain. Yes. And as a parent, I think for them, the realization that I have actually in many, in some way caused harm to this child, to this yeah. child of mine, unintentionally and unintentionally, having to acknowledge that and yeah. acknowledge that, it means that I actually have to also acknowledge that I have experienced the same thing. And I think for them, it's like they don't want to have to tap back into their their emotional self. And so as a result, I'd rather not acknowledge that I caused you pain because then that means that I have to also acknowledge that I acknowledge my pain. And I don't want to acknowledge my pain. (laughs) I was not ready for that. Yes. Yes. I learned that. I had to learn that. I had to learn that in the process of forgiving my own parents. In the process of, um, and this comes also on the other side of therapy, because I mean, for years and years and years and years, even though I had, it's constant, like people think that you forgive someone, and then you just move on. No, it is constant and consistent. As I continue to grow, I find myself forgiving my parents and myself for things that I have either one allowed to happen to me or that happened to me as a result of that relationship not being what it should be. And I think that that is part of what like Ashley's story kind of like also triggered and opened up for me in my world. Because in the middle of actually reading her story, I started to write, um, I started writing a, a part of pieces of a chapter that I'm working on for my uh, my second book. And I'm going to call it Dear Mama, which of course, you know, is the title of one of Tupac's songs. Yeah. Yeah. And in the middle of listening to her story, I start to write out these feelings and yeah. how I was feeling about certain things or how I've been feeling about things that I had never really acknowledged. Yeah. And one of the things that I wrote down was that you're the only person that I refuse to talk about in therapy because the immediate thought of discussing you and talking about you brings me to tears. Mm. And it's just a a pain point in within me that I have to kind of like, I have no problem talking about, you know, trauma with my father. I have no problem with talking about trauma with other family members and my grandmother, but there is something about, even though I've had conversations about my mom, there is something about sitting, dwelling, and di- and standing in those feelings concerning my mother, that's hard, because so even so when Ashley was talking about, you know, having conversations with her mom on the phone, knowing what to say and what not to say, how to stay away from heavy stuff, and I was like, this is my relationship. Yes. Present. How to avoid how to avoid an argument. Yeah. You 
So you tip, like you, you, you know them. what to say and what not to say. Yes. And that, and that's, that's what I related to um, the most in this book, her relationship with her mom. And even when she had eventually disclosed the sexual assault to her mom and her mom was like, oh, it was so-and-so, wasn't it? And that was the conclusion of that conversation. There was no, tell me about that. Why didn't you tell me? Did you tell anybody? How can I help you in this moment? How, you know, how can I support you? I'm so sorry that you went through that. There was, it was, there was none of that. It was, it was so-and-so, wasn't it? And then, that, and then that was the end of the conversation. So it, and I, I feel like that has a lot to do with the fact that um, if your child is, has been hurt, mm-hmm. not by you, but by others, mm-hmm. that means that in a lot of ways, as a parent, you fail to protect them, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents cannot stand face-to-face with that. They, they, they don't want to accept that. that my child was hurt because I failed to protect them yeah so instead of acknowledging that pain and that trauma I'm going to act as if it didn't exist or or it never happened yes because it's acknowledging your humanity it's acknowledging that no matter how much you've tried how perfected how protected however whatever it is that you've had to do that there was at some point that you dropped the ball Yes. And having to acknowledge that you dropped the ball, it's a point of pride for all of us. And pride is what literally is our downfall oftentimes because not acknowledging that at some point we made a mistake, it's a hardest, like the hardest thing in the world. And I feel like it's especially hard for parents often to try to to do that because we we have this idea of who we should be or who we who we want to become and who we don't want to be like. And then when we fall into those traps of being like the very people that we don't want to be like, it's hard to acknowledge that. And so, um, and I think for, especially for Ashley's parent, Ashley's parent, Ashley's mom, and for even my own mom, having to acknowledge that I hurt someone that I was supposed to be taken care of. It's rough. It's rough. And that's why for Black communities, I wrote an essay about this and now I'm going to revamp the essay. Black parents don't apologize. They feed you. Mm. They ask you, this is how, this is how. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Please say that again. Black parents don't apologize. They feed you. Wow. And then on top of you feeding me now, you want to shame me from gaining all of this weight, all of these different things, because now I have connections. I have these oral asphyxiations. I have connections with food because all I ever wanted was for you to, once again, going back to Ashley, acknowledge the pain that you caused me. Acknowledge my pain. But instead of you acknowledging my pain, you fed me. And so now I correlate my feelings and my emotions with eating. And so if I'm happy, I eat. If I'm sad, I'm eating. If I'm frustrated, I'm going to eat. Like there are different things because clearly you're not going to acknowledge this. Nobody's going to acknowledge that this is what's going on. So I'm just going to consume carbs and calories and stuff like that and physically make myself, you can make yourself sick if you continue to do it, but I'm going to eat and eat and eat because I want to continue to press down. I'm, I'm trying to suppress these emotions yeah. that I need to feel that I need to get. And so then you get to the point where you're emotionally numb, at least for me. you get to the point that you're emotionally numb and then when you go to therapy now you're trying to figure out now the therapist has to fight to try to get you to pull out those emotions and to feel them and to come present and you're like I don't want to feel that and anytime (laughs) that you are afraid to cry in therapy you know it's a problem like I have one of my therapists that I was working with she was like why are you not releasing yourself I'm watching you physically stop yourself from releasing why and she's like this is a safe space for you or is it (laughs) because you don't know who you can trust with your emotions because it's like if these people never the people that were supposed to love me that a god assigned to me did not give me space to do that how am I supposed to trust that outsiders are supposed to give me that space as well and so then with Ashley 
So she had a twofold problem because it was like her mom wasn't present and then her dad physically couldn't be present. And so it was like trying to also deal with and then also trying to deal with the trauma. Um, so spoiler alerts for everybody. We didn't spoil yeah, it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. You might want to skip a few seconds. Well, but like, you know, the spoiler alert of, you know, having to deal with the understanding and an acknowledgement that her father was in jail for raping right. women. And then right. she also was a victim. Yep. That was a lot. Yes. That, that was a lot. And, and I think that's a, that played into why she didn't see him for so long. Mm-hmm. Like there was, she went years and mm-hmm. years without even really speaking to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I'm sure that was very conflicting for her. It had to be um, to have this big love because she had such a big love for her father, right? Um, and to also know, you know, her story was was inspiring, but she went through so much trauma. Like even in the way that she found out what her father did, how her grandmother presented that to her, it was almost it was almost manipulative because it was like she wanted. Her Ashley's grandmother wanted her to confide in her and to open up. And when she didn't do that, it was like, well, do you even know why your dad is in jail? He did it. You know what I mean? So that was, that was, it had to have been hurtful and jarring. And to know what she went through with the guy that sexually assaulted her to now knowing that her father, this man that she loves so deeply also inflicted the same pain on somebody else or multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that played a huge part in why she avoided him for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And then it also talks about how people violate your safe spaces. Yes. Grandmother did not just let her be. Yes. That was a safe space for her when she told her that, you know, I didn't want to talk about it emotional maturity would have said okay i'll wait till she's ready yes instead of her waiting till she's ready she's like no i'm going to hit you with this right now because you because now you've caused me pain because you refused to share with me i'm going to hurt you and i'm going to cut you deeper because now i'm going to tell you why your father is in jail because i felt like you betrayed me in many ways and so it was just like this this act of betrayal but is at the same time it's like who's the adult here right you should know better you should know better and you should be doing better but instead you took this time and this moment to not be and <laughs> as a result now I'm I have something else to pile on top of what I already have and so as a social worker how would you have like how do you handle that with even your your clients like how do you help them or teach them how to create effective safe spaces for themselves like especially if you had someone who went through a similar situation like Ashley how would you take that situation to help them to like I guess even recover and learn how to recreate boundaries and even re-enter into those relationships that are now not necessarily deemed as safe as they once were? What would you have done or how would you incorporate that? I think first and foremost, what I always do in situations that are like that or similar to that is you always, I always want to validate my clients, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Validate their experience, validate their feelings, their emotion. You're angry, you should be angry, Mm -hmm. you're sad. You have every right to be sad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You're having these suicidal thoughts. You've been through a lot. Mm -hmm. So I can understand how it would be hard to avoid these thoughts. So validating um, people, there's so much power in it. There's so much power in validating somebody's feelings because once they feel validated, they feel that their feelings and their voice matters Mm -hmm. and they are more likely to use their voice if they feel like it matters. I I agree. Yeah. And and it's not always easy. It's not always easy. Like I'm sure for Ashley, after years of, you know, subtle abuse and like upfront 
direct in your face abuse. Mm -hmm. It couldn't have been easy for her to even write this book, to find her voice to write this book. Do you remember in the in the part where her mom like called her after reading one of her pieces and was like, why why don't you ever write about the good times? You know why? You know why she doesn't write about the good times? I read a post that was like, when you have been abused or have gone through a traumatic experience with your parent, for example, mm-hmm. you will always remember that. You will always remember that moment. You will always remember that day, but they won't because for them, it was a regular Wednesday. <gasps> for them, it was a regular normal day. For you, it was traumatic. Uh, and, and that has happened to me so to- so many times where I'm like, you really don't remember that you said this to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen. So that yes, that and her mom was like, "Why don't you ever write about the good times?" Yes, there were good times, and I think that Ashley acknowledged those good times when they went to Blockbuster and bought pizza and moved into their new house. Those were good times, but yeah. these, but these um, so traumatic so times <laughs> are a little bigger. They they hold a little bit more weight. They hold um, these soul wounds yeah. that that are there. These scars that are on my soul that that literally keep coming up even as I keep trying to be present in current relationships, these are still a problem. And I don't, you know, and I've gone through intensive, like I've been in therapy literally on and off, but I've been in therapy consistently for the last four years Um, since I've been living on my own. And because I knew, I knew that it was time for me. Like I had tried other ways, wasn't helping. I knew that I needed to get consistent counseling if I was going to be a better person, a heal person. And if I just wasn't going to always be angry, I literally used to describe myself as the incredible hawk or as Bruce Boehner. I would be like, I'm Bruce. That one line that he said, I can't remember which movie it is, but he, they asked him, how did he contain the hawk? And he said, I'm, I just, I'm always angry. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you, you get to a point where you just li- constantly live in a state of anger that it just becomes who you are. Your norm. Your and it's your norm. It's your baseline. And then when you start to healing and start healing and you start processing, you realize like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have to be this person. Right. I don't have to be this way. But then now when you're on the other side of that, now you have to fight to not be that person. And so yes that that line that that what you brought up I was going to say that like when her mom asked her why don't you why don't you ever talk about the good stuff it's like um, <laughs> oh we want to sit here and act like you want me because in the black community and I can't speak for everybody else but for us in the black community we like to sweep things under the rug we like to act like and pretend like things don't happen the the biggest quote that has happened all across this country in black in black families is what happens in this house stays in this house and it and it's just like but it doesn't it walks out this house with me every single day it goes into every space every relationship every connection that I make that pain carries me through all of life and then it's till you get to the point that one day you want to decide that you no longer want to carry it and you wanted right. to, to speak it and I read the audiobook and at the end she had like an interview and so she talks about how when writing the the book that she wanted to she had to be careful and I remember doing the same thing for myself like she was like she wanted to be able to write the book and not feel, feel like she had to filter herself and she had mm-hmm. to give herself permission to mm-hmm. write the story that was the most truest to most her. Right. And I feel like for me, and wow. I was writing my book, I was still very much so aware of and very much so protective of all of the other people's feelings. Although I wrote an amazing story and I did tell my part, I still felt like there were parts of the story that could have been added that included me that I didn't do because I just didn't want to, um, I guess I didn't want to see other people to see these people as bad people. And it was like, you're still protecting people, Mm. but that still hurts you. And so now as I'm in the process of writing my second book, I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be raw, unfiltered, because it's just it, the reality of it is, although you're protecting these other people's feelings and things of that nature, they didn't protect yours. 
they didn't right. protect you and it's okay for you to own and acknowledge how somebody made you feel yeah. now it's up to them to now correct their behavior you know right. and I told a friend the other day you're not responsible for making someone else feel comfortable yes. or <laughs> making them feel better about how they made you feel how mm-hmm. you how they treated right. you like right. no you're not responsible for giving them that I was like and um there's a situation in my life and I was just like I am not going to give you, I'm not going to come to you and to talk to you because you want permission. You want validation. You want me to make you feel better about how you have treated me. I, right. I, I'm not doing that for you. Right. You have to do that for yourself yeah. because I'm only responsible for the healing process that after you have hurt me, I'm right. only responsible for my own healing. My own. Right. Now you have to be responsible and accountable for however it is that you may have made somebody feel that resulted in you maybe being alone, alone or being isolated and all those things. And I think that Ashley did a really good job of acknowledging everything that people made her feel. Yeah. And but and but not victimizing or villainizing the people in her life. Yes. She's just yes. simply told a story. Yes. And she, yes, she did that so she did that so well you 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 said it correctly especially with her father yes because i felt her love for her father Mm -hmm. i felt that um desire to have a relationship to solidify a relationship with her father even after she knew what he did yes yes um and because i thought like he robbed somebody. I, I did not see that coming. Like I did not see him raping women as the reason why he was, I did not just by the way that she. I had no idea. No idea. So even after, even after she did such a good job of um, portraying him, you know, in, in the sense that like he was her father and she loved him mm-hmm. deep but also that he did something wrong. So not making him a victim, but also holding him accountable for what he did. She did that so well that I felt conflicted (laughs) about like what I thought about him, even though what I think about him don't really matter. What matters is how she feels about him. But as a reader, even after finding out what he did, I felt conflicted like, yeah, I still was very much so empathetic for him. And I yeah. still was like, yes, yeah, yeah. he did this, but did he deserve to, like, yeah. he serve over half of his life for yeah. this? Like, and even in that, though, I love the fact that her dad, he also took accountability. Yeah, he did. And he said to her when she was writing, he said, write the story. Do yeah. not. He, he, he didn't he even told her, like, don't write the story that you think you should write. Write right. the story as it is supposed to be written which means that even when you talk about me talk about what i've done and right. you know and stuff like that don't try to protect sugarcoat me. it don't sugarcoat it on paper. Right. and that's what i loved about it i was like she didn't sugarcoat and i love the fact that her dad was like don't and my and i feel like my it reminded me so much of, although my father has never been that person like he's never done anything that bad it still reminded me so much of my relationship with my mm-hmm. dad because my father's the same way he's always like kept it real he's very honest about he's he's taken ownership of the trauma and the things that that he has caused to his children and to me like a, a year or so ago i had a conversation a real heart to heart conversation with my dad and he just was open and honest and he had a real deep connection. And the crazy thing about it is when I came to my father, my father was like, I was just waiting on you. He mm. said, I knew the day would come. I was just waiting and preparing myself. And I was like, wow, this whole time. And so when I came, he invited me in with so much love and so much compassion and so much empathy. And he took ownership. Mm. And that's what I loved about it is that he took ownership of the, the trauma and the pain that he caused in his absence or in his very presence but still you know what I'm saying and I I love that about Ashley's um dad I feel like she's still kind of working on that with her mom if that's the, that's yeah. the sense that I got and yeah same boat 
yeah. you know, because yeah. I tried to have that same conversation with my mom and it's not happening. And I don't think it'll ever happen. And that's, you know, and I have to learn how to live with that and how yeah. to deal with it. And you still, and still under, with the understanding that even despite all of that, I still want to have a relationship with you. Yes. Cause that's your mom. Exactly. You know what I mean? And and I remember so my 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 mom and I, my mom is my best friend. My absolute best friend. She is everything for me. Oh, that's cool. um, but she also has caused some trauma, you know what I mean? In in not intentionally or knowingly, maybe, but that's just the way it is. And and I growing up, she's always said this. One day you're gonna wish I was here for you to talk to. One day I'm gonna be gone and you're gonna miss me. You're gonna wish I was here and you're gonna wish you were nicer to me. And I said, Mom, do you ever wish you were nicer to me? And she's like, let's, let's talk about that. Do you ever wish you were nicer to me? And she said, no, I gave you everything. Oh. I, and, and, and that goes to what you were saying. Parents, they don't apologize. They feed you. Yeah. Because I never went without. Anything I wanted, I had. Any The newest phone, food, the newest laptop, the newest clothes, the newest sneakers, shoes hair done nails done everything did right okay? i would have traded all of that for emotional support for you to acknowledge my pain and acknowledge my pain yes girl listen you just had a whole you look you just had a whole Wait, this is a therapy session okay hey, ain't it look turned into a therapy session but i love it and that's because i feel like that's how powerful the book was. That's how was. It was. It was. It was so deep. It cut. It it cut to the core. Like it was deep, and I was just like, Ashley made me. She really made me acknowledge some stuff that I was like, Oh, I'm still carrying this. Yes. And I and I love how she said. Um, I don't know if you read the audio, but she did a like I said, she did an interview on the audio with an, a fellow author. And one of the things she also said in the interview was like, after the book, after she finished reading the book or writing the book, that's when the real work actually began. And that's when the real work started because in the process, she had to acknowledge all of the feelings, all the things that she had felt. Um, so for you though, and I know we're coming close to end, wow, hour went by that fast. No, right? <laughs> for you. With my real time. Would you read it again or would you recommend this book to people? What do you oh, think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would absolutely recommend this book. I do recommend this book. Mm -hmm. This is a necessary book. It was so necessary, um, especially for Black women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, in our experience, in our lives, in our relationships. Um, because I feel like when black authors write books like this mm -hmm. it's not only them sharing their story but it's also that in a in 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 a way them say i see you yeah and i know you and i know what you've been through because i've been through it yeah um and that's so important to me it's so important to me so absolutely i would read this book again it's definitely a book that i would revisit and that i i always recommend Ever since I read, I'm like, you need to read somebody's daughter. Okay, get it. Oh, you know, honestly, I don't even, I think it was a the library, my library system on, because I get a lot of, I check out a lot of audiobooks and stuff now, ebooks. So I think it was just like a recommendation that popped up for me before I even started my bookstagram. And I put myself on okay. the list because obviously, it, it, you right. know, checking out the library. And because, and honestly, I thought somebody's daughter was something different. I didn't think you, I didn't, for some reason, I missed the words a memoir. I thought it was like another oh, fiction book. Okay. Okay. And then when I started, when I started listening, I said, wait, this somebody's life. Right. Like, right, right. Like, I was just like, oh, well, I'm in here now. Right. I'm, I'm, here. I'm in here. And I do think that um, when Black people wear, write memoirs, that's when they're the most authentic. And that is when we are definitely more, we can yeah. be relatable. And it's not to say that fiction doesn't do that for us too, but I feel like it is with those memoirs that we really get, be able to connect. And we realize like, oh, a lot of our lives yeah, and our experience. I'm not the only person that went through this. Yes. And I think that that does help for those people who may not ever be able to afford therapy or go to a therapy session. 
it helps them heal. It yes. helps them because I didn't had some, I, there were points in that book that I got really emotional <laughs> and, yeah. and there have been books that have literally made me cry. And yeah. I'm like, and they've been memoirs. And I just was like, and they've been, and they've been memoirs by black women. And I'm like, Ooh, this heal or, Ooh, this touched on something I didn't know was there. <laughs> right. You know, right. But at the same time, since I didn't need you to snatch my edges, like, right. Right. them to stay intact on my head. Right. No, but yes, this has been a very enlightening and therapeutic session for, for yeah. me. Um, please tell people where they can follow you and where they can look you up if you want to share that information. Yes, um, you guys can follow my bookstagram at reader.bay. Yes. So R-E-A-D-E-R period B-A-E. Yes, this is great. So Thank you all for listening. This has been another wonderful podcast episode, YouTube video. Uh, We will catch you back here next week. 